I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Five Times Podcast. To see a legend near you, check out the events page on our website, fivetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the Five Times Podcast. We're in our usual spot here at Ellie's in Greasby again. It's been a busy week for the lads on the road across the UK doing the live shows. Don't forget, though, if you're based in USA, Australia or New Zealand, there's a real treat coming up for you over the next few months or so. Robbie Fowler's heading for a long week trip. He's visiting six cities in all, Adelaide, Brisbane, Perth, Melbourne and Sydney in Australia and Wellington in New Zealand. Be quick on the tickets, though. They're going really fast. The 9th to the 16th of November. And don't forget to check out 5times.co.uk for details of prices on that one. Jamie Carragher, he'll be visiting New York, Chicago, Toronto. Dates are 12th to the 14th of November, too. So, again, limited tickets are available. Check out the website, 5times.co.uk. Time to get on with the show this week. Two of the Reds' finest ever fullbacks are on the show, Steve Nicholl and Rob Jones. Steve, fresh from bringing out an autobiography, he's also going out on the road with five times over the next few months as well. Rob Jones, now a mentor with Liverpool's Youth Academy, so we'll be getting his take on some of the hot prospects, real potential coming through at the academy at the moment. We'll also talk Liverpool ladies. We'll talk to Welsh winger Natasha Harding, she's on the show. And in a week where we marked Mental Health Day, we will find out from the PFA what they are doing to lighten the load on players who are struggling with their day-to-day lives. This is the Five Times Podcast, the voice of the ex-Liverpool players. Nickel. Oh, he's hit it perfectly. Aldridge releasing Nickel on the far side. Beardsley in the middle. It's still Nickel. He's gone all the way. Is the hat trick? What a tremendous personal performance by the Liverpool number four. Steve, great to have you on. Tell us how are things? Uh, no, things are good. Yeah, um, getting on here at ESPN. Uh, obviously, doing some stuff with the book. So, not things are good. You mentioned there that you're covering games for ESPN. What sort of games? Is that MLS games? Is it Premier League games? What games are they? Uh, generally, I'm involved in the, you know, the European leagues. Uh, you know, obviously, Premier League, Serie A, uh, La Liga. Uh, they're they're the main leagues that we cover, uh, and all the news, and and obviously internationals as well. Uh, particularly just now, with it being in the international weekend or just mm. after that. So we do all the internationals as well. Let's look at the big game coming up. It's United the visitors to Anfield on Monday night football. United player one matters predicted a spectacular football match. Our very own Carra said it will be extra special. What kind of game are you expecting? I, I've got to agree with the, the two lads you mentioned. I mean, there doesn't seem any way that this is going to be boring. You know, Liverpool with Klopp, they only play one way, and, that, and that's to go forward. And of course, with Manchester United and, and obviously Mourinho, 
well known for his counter-attacking stuff, plus the fact with the players they have, then there's no way that this game is going to be anything other than a, a ding-dong battle. I just, I just can't see it any other way. So, again, hoping that, that we're tight at the back, and I think defensively they can be done. So, I'm expecting a real good open game, and, and obviously has to win. What did you make of the timing of, of the international break? Because going into the international break, Liverpool absolutely flying, found a way to beat Swansea away in the end and just felt as though United were a little bit stuttery going into it. But the timing has obviously, you know, momentum's completely being killed by that. Yeah, for us, yeah. Uh, probably for United, it's it's happened at the right time. Personally, I... I I can't be doing with the, with the international breaks now. There, there seems, there just seems to be too many, mm. and and it's not as though it's not as though you know we're sitting here talking about Liverpool playing Man United, fantastic game. I mean, there's there's been probably what fifty games over in Europe over the last three or four days, and there's there's, there's hardly a game to talk about. I mean, international football now is is becoming particularly boring for me anyway. Mm. Uh, plus, obviously. Depending on how your team's doing domestically, it can screw them up. Like it's, it's, it may, it may affect Liverpool, but it may not. Mm. I think the international may liven up a little bit next time when Scotland play England. Perhaps you might look at. No, we found one to talk about. Right, there you go. <laughs> but but obviously it's United in town, and I think it's the first game under under the lights at the redeveloped Anfield. It's sure to be uh, sure to be a tasty atmosphere, and we certainly feel as though we owe them one after last season. I have a question. Um, I think we're I think we're better equipped right now uh, to take them on and, and and beat them, particularly at home. And it was uh, it was nice of Mister Giggs to kind of fuel the fire as well over the weekend, saying how living in Salford he's brought up to dislike all Liverpudlians. I mean that's a nice little uh, bit of paraffin on the fire. <laughs> I'm sure that won't get mentioned too much in the change. No, not at all. <laughs> but looking at team news, Lalana's obviously a doubt. Vinyaldum struggling a little bit after Holland duty. Look at the goalkeepers also. Jurgen Klopp, will he stick or will he twist with Carius or might he bring Mignolet back in? No, I think he goes with Carius. Um, no question. I think Carius is number one. Mm. Um, even even in this short space of time, he's only played, what, two games, is it? After yeah. his injury? yeah. So I, I think, and I think I think Klopp bringing him in, he, he brought him in to be number one. You know, if, without his injury um, in pre-season, I think he would have started the season anyway. So I don't think there's a doubt there. I can't see any way how Alden plays, um, which is a shame because that that midfield of of Lallana when Alden and Henderson is doing so well, and and of course as you say, it looks like Lallana's going to be out as well. So that's. That's not good news for us, um, but you know what? From from a position where you think sometimes you're not going to be too strong, somebody pops up and has the game of their life. So I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah, we, we may see a little bit of a reshuffle certainly in team selection there. Looking further up the field at the strikers, Liverpool have scored loads of goals this season, and it's been shared amongst I think seven different goal scorers this season. There seems to be plenty of strength and depth in the centre forward position. Obviously, looking at the bench, Sturridge can't get on. Origi, you know, these two influential players struggling to get game time, and and even at under twenty threes level, Danny Ings, who's been on absolute fire, two goals again in a in a behind cl- closed doors game, scoring goals for fun, but he can't even get in the match day squad. It's showing the strength Liverpool have in in those attacking areas. Ah, I mean, it's always a good problem to have when 
when you have quality to, to choose from. At the same time, I, personally, I'm I'm a little surprised that Sturridge doesn't start more often. Um, I know he, I know that Klopp likes Firmino, uh, and he's actually been in good form. I mean, I can't I can't argue with that. Firmino has been has been in good form. It's, as far as setting people up more than anything else in my eyes, you know, I see him as, as not a goal scorer for me, you know, I see him as a guy who'll who'll chip in, but he's more of he's more of a Peter Beersley type who's going to set people up. Mm. So I always like to think that you should have a goal scorer in your team. I d I don't think you win anything without a pure goal scorer. And that's what Sturridge is. Mm. So as well as Firmino's doing I would prefer to see Sturridge um, because he's because he's a goal scorer. Yep, he hasn't got a Premier League goal this season, which is amazing to think. He got one the other day for well, England, and that may give him uh, certainly a little bit of a lift. Uh, you know, how big a part do you think he could play for Liverpool this season, Sturridge? Uh, well, Neil, he just blew a hole right in my goal scoring theory there when he <laughs> told me he hadn't scored a, a Premier League goal yet. <laughs> <laughs> he, he hasn't but, played uh, too often, though, has he? I mean, he, he, no, that's true. On, no, and and, and listen, you'll you'll know yourself. If you need you need to get some minutes in the field, and you need to get a couple of goals behind you, and then all of a sudden, you know, you feel as though you're going to score every time you touch the ball. So if he's not getting games, then then he's not going to be able to score goals. Uh, so, but I'm sure. Listen, somewhere down the line, there's going to be injuries, suspensions, the whole the whole usual stuff that goes on, loss of form. So studies will, will no doubt get in. Um, but then the question is, how does Origi get in? Unless unless he just throws him a bone now and again. But <laughs> you know, basically, basically, you want to put your best team on the field every time you step on it. Yeah. Which means it's going to be tough for Origi. Difficult as well because the team is scoring so many goals as well. But defensively. You know, how big a concern is that? No clean sheet yet in the Premier League. And looking at the chances Swansea created, you can't give those sort of chances against United on Monday night, can we? No, we can't. Um, again, I'm actually, I've actually been surprised how good Matip has been. Um, I'd seen him a, a fair bit in, in the Bundesliga and wasn't quite sure about his pace. But he's he never he's never got himself in a position where he's had to... Or he's never been caught out where he's had to try and use some pace. So I, I think he's been solid. The question is, who's that partner for him? Mm, is it mm. Clavin? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, he's 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 real solid and steady. Um, Lovren? Is it, it Lovren? get back in? No, nah, I think Mr. Sackle's time's up. I don't, I don't, I don't see any way back for him unless... I don't know, unless there's a collar outbreak at the club or something like that. I, just, I don't see that happening. But Lovren um, looks the most obvious candidate, doesn't he, to be partnering Matip there? But he's been in and out as well. Yeah, he does. I mean, in, in some ways, actually, I prefer Clavin with Matip because both of them, both of them, there's no drama with them. When you play Lovren, there's drama because he he, he gambles an awful lot for me. Um, you know, when it comes off, it's fantastic. But there's just that little, you know, it's either a hit or a miss. Sometimes with the challenges in and around the box and stuff like that. So I just, I like my centre backs to be just nice and calm and just get the job done. And you know, if they never touch the ball, if they never get involved, that's fine. 
That's that's the way I prefer it. Brilliant. Steve, I've got to ask you about your book. Your book's out at the moment. You've been touring with that. Tell us, how how's it gone? Uh, it seems to be going well, yeah. Everybody uh, has said how much they enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's not like you... It's certainly not like an autobiography that, that I've read of other players, and I didn't want it to be that. You know, I wasn't into this, oh, we won 3-1, I scored two, he crossed the ball, all that stuff. You know, I wanted to make it... I wanted to make it something that people want to hear. And and to do that, you have to open up, you have to tell some stories, mm-hmm. uh, and you have to be honest. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. It's It's full of anecdotes from... From carry-ons in the dressing room and uh, and away from the dressing room um, and and the important games that I played in throughout my career and and all the things that were going through my head while while those those games were going on and while all these other things were happening, you know, the likes of Hillsborough and mm. Cup finals and obviously missing my penalty in Rome. So it, it's it's a book, I think. There'll be some minute for every single person uh, and any football fan. I don't. I don't think you have to be a Liverpool fan to to want to read it. To be honest, it's mm-hmm. just a good. It's a good read about um, me, uh, and a lot about our football team. You mentioned there about the changing room. I wonder for a team to have success, how important it actually is that there's a real togetherness in that changing room. There's, there's a feeling now that since Jurgen Klopp's been in charge at Liverpool, he's bringing that togetherness amongst a group of players how important do you think that is uh, I think I think you can win you can win something you, you could win a cup without having a a, a real strong dressing room mm-hmm. but you ain't winning a, a league title that, that, that lasts nine months unless you've got a strong dressing room that's together uh, it's as straightforward as that you know I've I've won a couple of cups when the dressing room wasn't particularly tight. Mm-hmm. But compare that with a dressing room that is, um, I've won a hell of a lot more. Uh, and certainly Premier League, uh, a league title. Mm-hmm. You just can't, you can't win league titles unless your dressing room is, is together. Because on the field, no matter how good you are, you know, people talk about our 87, 88 team, how good it was. But there were times during the season, not many, but there were times when we just went at it and, you know, teams stood up to us. And we got through it. And the only reason we got through it is because if somebody was having a bad day, uh, there was always somebody there to, to pick up the slack uh, and make up for the guy next to him who just was having a hard day. I mean, as I said, that's that's the only way you win league titles. Um, but you can get away with winning a cup without that, but... I think I agree with you. When you watch Liverpool on the field of play, they look as though they're playing for each other. And that's that's a huge step. Huge step. Very encouraging to hear, certainly. Powerful stuff there from yourself. When are you back over in England? Then? Are you doing some five-time stuff? Uh, I think I'm probably going to be back over in January uh, with the five-times lads. Yeah, I, 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 just, I was over in Liverpool for the... Uh, you know, opening the new stand, I did a, a couple of things with five times guys, and so organised, made it so easy for me. I really enjoyed it, and they've asked me to come back over, so I'm I'm going to make some time and definitely come back over at the beginning of January. It's not all, it's not all done and dusted and sorted, but I'll be surprised if I'm uh, if I'm not 
not back home around the uh, first week in January. Steve, brilliant. Always great to listen to you. And go out and get his book. I'm sure some great stories for you all to, to read there. Thanks very much, Steve Nicol. All right, five league titles and a packet of crisps. <laughs> brilliant. The Legend Show on the Five Times Podcast. There's great stuff going on at, at first team level, but also at the academy as well. We're seeing a number of young players progress through into the first team, and one of those pl- people who are having a huge influence on these young players is a mentor now, former Liverpool fullback Rob Jones. Rob, brilliant to have you on the Five Times podcast. Tell us how, how are things with you? Yeah, good, pal. You? Yeah, all very good. good. Thank you. Often see you down at the academy watching 18s, 23s games. Can you explain what your current role is? Yeah, um, well, it's probably about three years ago now. Brendan uh, uh, rang me up and asked me to come in, and he asked, he mentioned that he wanted um, me, Steve McManaman, and, and Robbie Fowler to be um, you know, to come around the club more, um, and possibly me help with the defenders coaching. Um, Steve McManaman, obviously, with the midfielders, and uh, Robbie with the centre forward. So uh, the three of us went in and uh, you know took up a role that we all thought was would suit us. We've all got full-time jobs so it was perfect for us that it was uh, part-time um, and it's just been great to be back at the club and any way we can uh, you know help the lads um, I've been mentoring them a little bit because um, we've got you know some really good young coaches out at the academy as you've probably seen yourself when you when you when you go up there and um, it's just really to support them and it could be all sorts as I say it could be you know um, pulling the full-backs to the side and having a, a one-on-one chat with them. Or, you know, maybe I might get involved in something else where it might be off the pitch or, you know, contract-related if, you know, um, if I can help the lads in any way. We're just we're just there or thereabouts around the academy. Do you still get the uh, the boots on? Have a little bit of a kick about with some of the young lads? Yeah, I do a couple of times. I have a couple of times. As I said, this year the knee's getting a bit more sore and, and uh, age is not on my side. But I do join in maybe in the war warm-ups but uh, I seem to pull out the games a little bit now <laughs> Well you, uh, you must give them a huge boost to see you know, yourself down there to be offering little bits of advice how much do you enjoy that side of things now? Yeah I mean for me as well personally I mean you know like yourself lo- I love the club and it's just great to be back and you know even for me, you know, I go to the academy and uh, Kenny Dalglish pops in quite a lot, uh, you know, for a, a coffee or to watch training. So, you know, to, he was one of my heroes, obviously. So to have a catch up with him and a, a bit of lunch is, is brilliant. Uh, Steve Highway back there, um, you know, the experience that he's had at the academy. Um, so he seems to have a good balance around there now. Um, Alex Inglethorpe's done well. You know, he's, he's been there quite a few years now and he, he seems to have got a good team together. As you say, good balance of young coaches and some ex-players, um, you know, popping in around the, around the academy. And even, you know, people like yourself, when you come and do the, you know, the media work with LFC TV, you're around there and it's good for all the lads just to see, you know, ex-players around there. Yeah, you mentioned there about some of the, the coaches that are down there. It's great to see Stevie Highway back down there and obviously Alex Inglethorpe doing a great job. It's a great environment for these young players to, to really learn and develop. How impressed have you been since being down there and, and seeing the new coaches that, that these lads are working under? It's, it's great and, it, and it's, you know, you can see the coaches get so much out of it as well. You know, when you see, you know, the young lads, um, you know, progressing into the first team, um, you know, it's great for all the academy and, uh, and all the young coaches because, you know, sometimes, you know, you can see them at 14, 15 and then they could uh, progress into the first team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, everyone, you know, even down to the, 
um, the the chefs at the academy. Everyone's had a sort of a small role in getting them up into the into the first team. So I know it's going well at the moment. You know, I can, you know, I, I look down. I was having a look at some of the uh, the sixteens. They've got a really strong team at the moment. I think there was I think there was six or seven of uh, Liverpool's under sixteens that went away with England last week. So uh, you know, it's looked under sixteens looking a strong team. So. You know, it's, it's only looking good at the academy and for Liverpool Football Club. Very encouraging to hear. I mean, I look at the Premier League now and it's, you know, the popularity is growing all the time throughout the world and we keep seeing all these different continentals coming over, some top-class internationals, but others not so much. So, I mean, how tough is it now, do you think, for these young players to really try and break through into the first team? I think it is, you know. I think I think it's uh, it's just seemed a bit tougher than, you know, when we were younger, Um you know, but I think since Jurgen's come in, he's definitely give you know the Liverpool lads uh, a chance. You know, he's put uh, a couple of them in for you know two or three games, and then pull them out, and then put them back with the twenty threes. And you know, he, he seems to have a what Jurgen's done since he's come in. Now he's got a good squad together, and probably about you know uh, five or six of the sort of younger sort of academy lads around them. So they're learning all the time. You know, I know um, Trent's been up there for the last couple of months, and. You know, seeing him from um, sort of working with him last year to since he's gone up to the, to Melwood, he's just progressed so much. You know, so he's obviously learning so much uh, up there at Melwood. You know, from probably you know Klein and and Jurgen and all the other coaches. Um, so you know, when leaving from the academy and going up there, uh, which obviously you expect them to. They're, uh, they're just becoming so much well they're becoming grown up and so much more experienced well, you mentioned there about Trent Alexander-Arnold and even Conor Randall before how much influence and support have you given those two because obviously a similar position that you played yourself at right fullback. you know how much have you been in and around and helping these guys yeah I think definitely at the academy they don't go up to Melwood too much so when they go up to to Melwood obviously leave them up there but yeah you know with uh, with, with, with Conor the last few years you know, he's progressed up and, and done well and then, you know, Trent, I mean, um, the first few years when I was there, Trent was really a midfielder. And then, you know, they've pulled him back into that sort of right back spot. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just progressed so much. He, he looks like a, a natural um, fullback. Um, a play, he played in a game at, at Tramier a couple of weeks ago and uh, he was, you know, a step above everybody else there. He, was, he scored a goal. He was flying up and down on the right wing getting back defending so he seems to be the complete fullback so obviously as I said before when he's gone up to Melwood he's just he's learning off all the experienced players which is brilliant these fullbacks are different these days they even score goals don't they yeah, that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> scoring goals but, but I mean you look at the, the modern day fullback and it, it does seem a, a very different position to, to what it used to be you look at Jurgen Klopp and even Guardiola at City they seem to be asking an awful lot more for fullbacks to influence games don't they yeah, you definitely do. I think fullbacks now. I think the old traditional fullback when I started at Crew was where you know you defended first and you were like a solid back four. You know, um, a majority of teams now they'll use sort of a, an attacking midfielder possibly as the as the right back and prefer them to um, you know to bomb on forward and, and uh, introduce themselves into the sort of centre forward and midfield. Um, you know and but getting back is so much, you know, it's important as well. But as you just said, they're expected to do a right back role. Probably. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The right midfield role and, and get the crosses in on the right wing as well. Seems an, an awful lot for a fullback to do these days. But looking at Jurgen Klopp, he's, he's given young players an opportunity last season. Obviously, there was a lot of games last season, the yeah. Europa League, the cup competitions as well. This season, perhaps opportunities may be a little bit more limited for the younger players. But I think it was a behind-closed-doors game, wasn't there, at the weekend against Bradford at Melwood. Yeah. How important are these sort of games? Because, obviously, the lack of opportunities they are going to get this season in the first team. Yeah, I think they've just got to be a, probably a bit more patient this year because... Because, you know, as you say, uh, they're possibly not going to get as many games. And so these closed, um, uh, the games behind closed doors. Yeah, I just think uh, important because, for example, say Kevin Stewart or one of the, or one of the other lads, you know, aren't match fully fit. And then all of a sudden they get thrown into the first team. Um, you know, you need to be fully prepared. So these games that uh, Jürgen's setting up and, you know, they've been playing in the 23s. Uh, they've definitely got to stay around there and keep the uh, the match fitness going because you say they could be called upon any time. Well, I'm thinking about one of those young players as well. You'd mentioned the likes of Alexander-Arnold already, but Ovier Jari really has burst onto the scene, certainly pre-season. I, I look back to a year ago when he was performing in the Youth Cup and you know the progress yeah. he's made over that 12 months is quite st- staggering. I think he played for England under-20s the other day. He scored a goal as well. You know, Just talk to us about his development over the last 12 months. Again, I mean, he's... Um, you know. Since he joined us, he just he just seems to have something that you know a little bit special, doesn't he? You know, I can I can remember eighteen months ago, um, I went away with the uh, the eighteens. We went down to we played West Ham away, and uh, he had an excellent game. And I remember getting in the car with Alex Inglethorpe coming back, and I, I just said he's going to be a player, is isn't he? He just had he's just got that little something special. And Alex just looked at me with that face as if to say, you know, I don't think you're going to be far wrong there. Uh, but he has he's, he's progressed so much and again he's gone up to Melwood and uh, you expect to just keep that progressing and I know he played for England the other day as you say and, and scored a goal so he's on a high at the moment isn't he and I think the thing is for us he's just keeping the feet on the ground for these lads and just keep them progressing uh, Have you got the football bug back being around the academy and all those young players? Yeah definitely you're right in the way you know I think I spoke to you before you know when I finished playing, you know, I did lose the, the football bug. I didn't go to many games um, when I retired and, you know, sort of went into a bit of a depression or whatever. But this has given me, you know, obviously I've got the, the nursery school business, but this is, you know, football's in you, isn't it? A Liverpool football club is. And it's just given me that um, bit of a perk up um, in the morning to get up and, and go to the academy. And, and it's something I enjoy. You know, I enjoy playing football, but this is a different side of it, which I also enjoy. 
Rob, while we've got you on, can't let you go without asking you about the, the big game coming up against Manchester United, Monday Night Football. What are you thinking ahead of this one? Well, I, th- I think uh, it's going to be a big, big game, isn't it? I think we're three points uh, ahead of them. If we can beat them on Monday... Uh, and be six points clear and it just keeps us up there doesn't it around that um, top four um, it will be brilliant obviously I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing um, I'm going myself really looking forward to it um, you know I think United uh, going there I think they would be happy with the draw um, but you never know it's one of them games isn't it United have spent a lot of money this year but um, we seem to be um, the sort of the team on form so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game, but fingers crossed we'll come up with three points. Plenty of confidence going into. It. I think it's the first game as well under the lights at the redeveloped Anfield. As you mentioned, you are going to it. It's Liverpool United. I can't. I've got to ask you about the time you made your debut against United for Liverpool. Certain Ryan gigs. That was was that a bit of a, a tough one to start yeah. things off with. Yeah, I, think, I don't think you get much tougher, do you? But, um, you know, I just think at, at the time I was sort of thrown at the deep end, which was, it worked out good for me in the end. I mean, I, I suppose I could have crumbled, um, only signing from, for, uh, from crew, um, three days before, uh, and then playing or marking Ryan Giggs at, um, Old Trafford. So yeah, it was just, it just seems a bit of a blur. You know, I think the, I was, I think I was that sort of nervous and it happened so fast that, People ask me about the game and I can hardly remember much about it because it just seemed to go out there. I think because I was so young, uh, I just went out there and performed and it, and it worked well for me. So, you know, sort of put into the cauldron a little bit, but um, I came out okay. It certainly did. Absolutely superb. Well, Rob, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Mels. Take care. Coming soon to a city near you, the Liverpool Legends. For more information and ticket prices, check out our websites, fivetimes.co.uk. Delighted to say the Head of Player Welfare at the PFA joins us. Mickey Bennett, former player yourself, fantastic to have you on the Five Times podcast. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me, Neil. Thanks Mickey, for having tell- me. Yeah, yeah, great to have you. Just tell us what, what your role is currently at the PFA with... So my, my, role, my role is um, Head of Player Welfare at the PFA, and that role entails uh, making our members, former and current members, aware of the services that we have in place for emotional well-being. Uh, a lot of stuff is done at clubs in regards to the physical aspects of the game, getting you physically fit for a game on a Saturday or Tuesday, but not enough is done on the, on the emotional aspects of the game, and I think the two go hand in hand. So the Player Welfare Department makes our members aware of what support's available to them should they have any issues coming, coming forward. You must be absolutely bombarded. Absolutely is an understatement, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you a prime example. Last week I was in um, Guildford. Uh, Tuesday I was in Birmingham. Wednesday I was in Southend. Thursday I was in Portsmouth. And Friday is the university day. So that gives you a prime example of what it's like, mate. Does it vary at the different levels? Obviously the pressure's at the Premier League in comparison to at League Two level. Uh, no, I think the perception is that people think that there's different different pressure at different levels. I think when you think about it, uh, when you think that a player at Division 2 who's only got one-year contract and has got a wife and kids to look after, a mortgage to pay, uh, they're, they're different pressures, mate. You know, they get a contract in July, come Christmas, they're looking to see if that contract's going to be renewed. So that adds pressure to them in regards to trying to support their family. Uh, from, the, from the Premier League perspective, you've got players who are earning loads of money uh, and people think they shouldn't have any problems, but they endure financial problems, you know, fam- marital problems, all different different problems. So it, it varies, but it still has the same impact, mate. It was mental health day on Monday. Do you, 
when something like that happens, a significant day, event like that, do more people get in touch with you when it kind of raises awareness for them? Yes. Um, yesterday was a busy day for me uh, in regards to emails and phone calls. Um, you know, people, you know, when, when, when an event like that takes place, it, it, it prompts people, people speak out about their own experiences and it prompts other individuals to realize that they've got their own issues going on and they then come forward seeking support and help, and, and which is good. Uh, but I, from my PFA perspective, we want that message to go out there daily so players who have any issues can come forward, not just on Mental Health World Day, but every day uh, should have any problems. The PFA do a fantastic job, yourself included. How can clubs do more, do you think, to help these players? I think what we're trying to do now, Neil, we're trying to get, we're trying to implement a, a, a mental health workshop which goes into the football clubs and does workshops with the players about mental health and what it looks like and well-being. Um, so we get the players to become more aware of that. The, the plan would be to get the coaches and managers also to undertake that training so they have a better understanding about what mental health and well-being looks like. So the key for me, Neil, is to, in moving forward, is to make, is, is to educate our members, educate the coaches, educate the, the managers about what mental health and well-being looks like and then we can move forward in, in addressing it as a whole group, the club together. Mickey, we, we have lots of former players coming on here and they say how difficult it is when they first come out of that game, that transition period. Do you find yeah, you're speaking yeah. to a lot of players in, in that respect? Yes, we do, mate. But the, the difficulty you have, Neil, is that you know, most people think the transition is when they come to the end of their career at 31, 32, 33, like back in the day. But you have to remember you've got the lads now who are 14 trying to get their YTS contract. So don't get it. That's a transition. If they, they do get a YTS, they're trying to get their pro contract. Don't get that. That's a transition. If you've got a pro contract, you're 21, trying to get into under 21s, you can't get in. That's a transition. So there's about three or four transitions out of the game that people don't realise the impact it has on them. And, and this is what we have to deal with with these guys who don't make it at different levels, at different times in their careers, in the transitions, that we've got to support them through that. Well, you, you've played the game yourself. How, yeah. how much enjoyment are you getting out of your current role helping other, other people? Neil, I'll be honest with you, I, I did, a, I did a, uh, a workshop at Portsmouth Football Club the other day and I stood in front of the first team boys and, I, and I, with the heart in my hand, I said to them, I get more pleasure now at the work that I'm doing now than whatever, what I ever got playing football. So this is a, a real passion for mine. This is something that I, I love to do. This is something I love to help people uh, and want people to kind of realise that even if football you know, is a game where it's a short-lived career, you know, you've still got 40, 50 years to live after football. Mm -hmm. And the support that I'm trying to get in place is to show these players that you as a person before you became a footballer and you'll be a person when you leave football. And we're trying to work with the person in getting them to the right frame of mind to be able to live life whilst playing football and when they leave the game. And can you tell us about some of perhaps those success stories that you have had and you've influenced to, to be in a better place? It's, it's, a, a couple come to mind. I mean, you've got a couple of lads that have, have, have you know, you, you go and see them and you get called in by the club in regards to a particular issue. Uh, the club says the player's got anger issues or something like that. You go in and speak to the lad and straight away you see that something's wrong. And, and with the work that I've done and been in it so long, it's 12 years, mm -hmm. I just be honest with them and say to them, look, it's a private confidential setting. It doesn't. The clubs don't find that. The, 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 your family won't find that. It's between me and you. What's the situation? And I, I, I've said this, Neil, to a couple of players. Do you want to still play the game? Mm -hmm. And their response to me, they look at me and go, no, I feel burnt out. And I said, okay, right. Football's not the be-all and end-all. A lot of people, Neil, are, 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 are good enough to play football, mm -hmm. but a lot of people haven't got the personality to be a footballer. Does that make sense? Would you would you put that down to the way the game's changed and the extra pressures and perhaps the the money involved I, these days? I think it's I think it's all the, all the above, mate. I think you know the, the, the lads come into the game expectations from family, 
expectations from school, expectations from friends. I think, you know, they get into the game, you know, they're given a large amount of money um, and not told how to support themselves with that money. Um, and we have major issues now with gambling. Gambling is our main issue at the moment. And it's an age where these young lads have earned vast amounts of money, got so much time in their hands, and they've got disposable incomes that they can gamble and, 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 and not notice the money gain. So we're trying to educate them in the importance about gambling, importance about protecting us, looking after themselves, uh, and ensure that they recognise that this is a short-lived career, and if we can support them in, in, in looking after themselves mentally and emotionally, we've done a great job. Despite the rules changing recently that players can't bet on any football at any level, has that helped or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's helped, that's helped, but, you know... There's horse racing, there's there's basketball. I mean, I had one lad who came to me and, you know, his wife had find, found his gambling slips in his, in his glove compartment uh, and she wanted out. She wanted out of the relationship because he probably wouldn't do it again. Mm. But he found that, that at one stage he was getting to a place whereby he was sitting in front of his TV and his iPad and he was betting every single sport that was going on the TV. Mm. So that just gives you an idea that even though you've stopped these players from gambling on football, if they've got an addiction... Uh, they will find something else to gamble on, mate, and that's the situation at the moment. Mickey, very interesting to hear. We we wish you the best, and uh, thank you. Thank for you, the mate. Great work that you are doing there, head of player welfare at the PFA. Thanks for joining us on the on the Five Times podcast today. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for inviting, mate. All the best, mate. Mickey, brilliant. Thank you. The final word on the Five Times podcast. This is the Five Times Podcast, hosted by Neil Meller at Ellie's in Greasby. Delighted to say Liverpool ladies forward Tash Harding now joins us on the Five Times Podcast. Tash, very warm welcome to yourself. Tell us, how's this season been for you? There's a game to go, isn't there? It's in Arsenal's hands at the moment, but you could finish third. Would that be a decent season for you? Yeah, you know, it's been like, you know, a bit of a transition for the club and myself and you know, start of the year, I started off as a Man City player. And then, you know, before I knew it, I was, you know, jo- happily joining the Reds. And we we took in new signings, you know, there's nine. That's quite a lot for one team, a young manager coming in as well. So, you know, it's been a transitional period for, for us as a team and, and as a club in the direction that they want to go in. And, you know, I think we've come into the, the latter stages of, of the league. We went t- 10 games unbeaten. And, you know, it's down to the wire now and fighting for third place, which is, you know, great to, if someone had said that at the start of the season, I think a lot of people would have, you know, taken their hands off as such. And, you know, we're in a great place at the moment. We're all playing really good football. So, it, you know, it's a great time to be a Red. How do you reflect on this season personally? Um, yeah, you know, personally, first half of the season, you know, I was quite quiet and I didn't play the football that I'm probably known for and confidence was low. But I think it was the Sunderland game that I played really well at and we won 4-0. And I know I've been keep going... I've going up since then and I've probably played some of my best football and st- scored some some good goals along the way and you know some people that will say you now that have not known me for a long time will say that I'm getting back to my best Come on then tell us what, what are those numbers you said you've got a couple of goals oh, what's your goals well, I, assists? I'll say a couple of goals but yeah but I think I got three or four but you know two of the that's pretty standout someone that people probably wouldn't associate with, with me scoring and which are long range goals and you know for someone that is you know, always a forward player. I'd always score goals that are in the box. But, um, yeah, the last two have been pretty, you know, pretty good. And ones I think, you know, Coutinho would probably be quite happy with as well. Very good. You mentioned a little bit earlier on about a number of new players. Nine, as you'd said, have been brought in yep. to Liverpool this season. 
How difficult is that to, to settle in as, as a new group, effectively? Yeah, it's always hard, you know, no matter what environment you're in, you know, no matter what team, whether that's men or women's teams. And when you bring nine, no one really knows each other. You know, they, we had a mixture of Dutch girls, Swedish girls, Americans, myself, a Scottish girl. And, you know, it's it's taking time to find out what people's strengths are, how they won the pass, you know, where they want it. And, you know, it, it took us a while, I think, to, to get our best, you know, our best performances and gel them together. You know, we always knew it was going to be difficult, but it came together a lot quicker than people anticipated. And I think that's, you know, it's been pretty evident in the la- in the latter stages of the league, you know, especially. You've been at Bristol Academy previously and yeah. Man City ladies. You're now at Liverpool ladies. What have you made of the city of Liverpool and also the club? I think, you know, anyone who, you know, loves football in general will, will know how massive Liverpool is as a club. And I remember my first day at Anfield, it was a bit of a surreal moment, I think. You know, I've seen the likes of Steven Gerrard, Robbie Fowler come there and, you know, play and Fernando Torres play fantastically and have pictures taken certain places. And, you know, I was one of them people then that was standing where they were stood and being on the pitch and getting to train on Anfield as well with a new, you know, the, with the new stadium. And yeah, it was, it was a surreal, but an amazing feeling for myself and, you know, for my family as well, you know, a massive Liverpool fan. So, you know, when I signed for Liverpool, it was, you know, they were a lot more ex- excited than me, probably, which I didn't think was possible. But, you know, it was a great chance and a great opportunity for me. And I couldn't say no to it. And, you know, I, I'm glad I did that. And I'm excited to go already for next year. You mentioned there about having pictures with, with certain men, players like Stevie G and, and the likes of. Yeah. But the women's game has progressed enormously over the last couple of years. Are you finding yourself being recognised more and more in the streets? Yeah, especially, you know, after training um, in Liverpool, you know, I'll go down to the local supermarket and I live on, you know, Penny Lane, so it's quite a busy area and, you know, they'll say straight away, oh, well done, ladies, I saw your result the other day. And, you know, to get stopped, I know it's, you know, something small that probably the men's players probably take for granted, but, you know, something like that means a lot to, to women's players and it just shows that in general, everyday life, it just shows that women's football is... It's actually growing and it's, it's great to be a part of it at the minute. You may find more and more people going down to Penny Lane to see you now. Tell <laughs> us what, what, what an average yeah, week yeah. is like for someone like yourself, a WSL player. Um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, I would say people probably think we've got the easy job and, you know, we have everything given to us. But, you know, you have to work hard to, to get to where we are and, I put in a lot of graft and made a lot of sacrifices to get where I am now. And we have to, we play, you know, full throttle f- football, uh, high pressing game, 100 miles an hour. So we have to put in the, the work on and off the pitch and just taking care of everything. And yeah, it's pretty tiring, but you know, it, it's all worth it when, especially when you get wins and hopefully with trophies to come as well. You've, you've come out top in a straw poll that I conducted as the craziest <laughs> as one in, in that squad of Liverpool ladies. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I'd say so. I wouldn't say crazy, but I'm more of, you know, I've got a more of a carefree attitude. Tell us why. Why are you crazy, Tash? Why Why are you crazy? I'm just, I just think I just love life, really. And I just, I'm a bit of a, not class clown, but, you know, I know when to have a laugh with the girls and, you know, I, I'm probably the one that does all the pranks in the change rooms and, I do a few scare cams and yeah, so, you know, the gaffer will tell you I'm quick to, to dig him out a few occasions as well. But, you know, I, I think you've got to create a good environment and 
I'm one of them people that, you know, it, it's always a, it's always a good laugh, but when it comes down to business, you know, I'm one of the first ones that will be working hard. You sound like the Jamie Carragher of the ladies' game there. Right, well, let's talk about the, the manager, Scott Rogers. He, he took the reins in the summer. How have you found working under him? Yeah, um, I knew it was going to be, you know, hard for him because it was going to be his first season. And I think he's done really well. He's brought the, you know, the best out of myself. You know, I can only speak on behalf of myself and he's brought the best out of me. He knew, you know, what my strengths was. And when a manager tells you why he's brought you in and why he wanted you so bad is... You know, it's always a confidence builder, but I think he's handled some of the big personalities that we have and he's done really well. And the, the football that we play is the one that we all, we all want to play. It's, it's 100 miles an hour, it's pressing, it's counter-attack and, you know, we also can keep the ball as well. And he's brought in a good mixture of players and people. So I think he's done a really good job in his first season and hopefully he can carry that through now and into next year, into next year and you know, for, for a few more years to come. Liverpool have won the WSL previously. City ran away with the title this season. Is it going to be possible to compete with them next season, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, this year we were the only team that took well, two points from them all season and, you know, we probably, in the first game, was a bit too defensive looking back and we probably could have attacked them a bit more. Um, so, you know, they are a great outfit and they deserve to win the league and beat them all year. So they're outright winners and they deserve to be there. But I think we're the only ones that did compete with them last year. And I think if we can add, you know, one or two or, you know, a few more players to our calibre, I think, you know, we will be competing for the league title, not just with, you know, Man City, but the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal. Um, yeah, and I think it'll be a, even more competitive next year. Is, am I right in thinking that the league structure, there's some kind of rescheduling going on for next season in the WSL? Yeah, it's going back to, you know, the, the normal, you know, structure as such as, you know, with the Winter League and going alongside the men's stuff. And, you know, we're not trying to compete with the men's teams, but, you know, hopefully that'll encourage more people to come and watch if they're going to watch, you know, men's teams and, you know, watch us as well. So, you know, I think there'll be more consistency as well. Um, which is is always great, and it'll you know go alongside other major tournaments like the Champions League, um, the European Championship. It'll all go into line with them, and we'll all be in the same boat as every other league as well. So, no, I think it'll be really good for the league going forward, and again, it'll probably bring a more competitive edge to it. Well, you you have a str- we can detect a strong Welsh accent there. Obviously, Wales did extremely well in the Euros. You're a Welsh international. Several caps yourself. How inspirational were the the men in how well they did in the Euros in the summer? Yeah, can you can you tell I'm Welsh by by my slight accent? But um, yeah, I know they were fantastic, and I you know a few of the boys from you know being mates to them to you know being on this going to the same school. So to see them, you know how well they're doing now is it's incredible and. They play, you know, they do play good football, but it's effective in tournament football and that's what you need. And, you know, I think a lot of people were surprised how well they did. And But everyone was behind them and everyone will be the same this year. And, you know, we can't wait to see what the qualifi- you know, qualification campaign brings for the boys this time round. Tash, we can't let you go without a score prediction for Liverpool versus Manchester United. Monday night football, what do you reckon? I reckon Liverpool 3-1, Firmino 2 
Brilliant. Sounds good to me. Tash, we wish you well in that final game of the season and thanks for Cheers coming now. on to the Five Times Podcast. Thank you. This is the Five Times Podcast, hosted by Neil Meller at Ellie's in Greasby. That's your lot on the Five Times Podcast this week. We're back next week, hopefully, reflecting on another big result. What a game that's going to be against Manchester United. Monday night football from Anfield. The lights under the new redeveloped Anfield. Let's hope we enjoy that. Well, my thanks again to guests Steve Nicholl, Rob Jones, Natasha Hart, and the PFA's Mickey Bennett. Biggest thanks, though, goes to you for downloading. Keep spreading the word, and we will speak again hopefully next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.